0: We're going to review a couple of scriptures. So if you want to turn in your Bible, you can turn over to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23. Herman and Henrietta were touring their brand new house, a house that Henrietta had paid for with her money. A fact of which she often reminded Herman. In each room of the house, as they toured through the house, the morning as they moved in, each time they went into the room and looked at the room, beautiful the room was, she would say, Herman, but we're not for my money, We wouldn't be here. Herman didn't say a word. That afternoon, a truck drove up and the truck delivered furniture for the house. The men moved all the furniture from the truck out into the house. And again, the couple toured the house as they looked at each of the rooms and all the beautiful furniture that filled it up. Henrietta reminded Herman again, if it weren't for me, we wouldn't have all this beautiful furniture. My money paid for all this. Again, Herman was silent. Later on that day, a truck came with a very special piece of furniture. This was to be a focal point of their den. It was a combination of stereo, television, computer, all-in-one, big, wooden, gorgeous piece of furniture. And as the men delivered it and put it into the den, the two sat back and they looked at that beautiful piece of furniture and she said, if it were not for my money, that piece of furniture would not be here. Finally, home Herman spoke up. He said, Honey, I don't want to make you feel bad. But if it were not for your money, I wouldn't be here. Last week we looked at the Scripture. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. It's a good thing to have your heart teach your mouth what to say. Sometimes it's just good to be quiet and not to say some things. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It is so easy for us to give up on the thing that we're saying, on the thing that we're talking about, on the thing that we're confessing. But don't. The Word of God encourages us. Don't do it. Satan wants to try and get you to do that. He wants you to get to try and speak out of your feelings. I don't feel well. I don't feel this way. I don't feel this. Some of the things Naz was talking about here this morning. About not feeling certain ways. Don't speak out of the feelings... Speak out of the Spirit. Let your Spirit teach your mouth what to say. Hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to the thing that you know God has promised you. The Word of God has said is yours. In James chapter 1, verse 19, "...So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow the wrath." The reason that you are slow to speak is to give your heart, your spirit, time, time to teach your mouth what to say. Don't just speak out of the feelings. Don't just speak out of the what's in the moment. Give it time. Let it come up from your spirit. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word. Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but this he deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion. Before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans, widows, in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Well, we need to make sure that our tongue stays bridled. we got to get it under control. Stop just speaking things out of your feelings. Stop just speaking things that are not coming from your spirit. When you have a confession, when you have something that the Word of God has promised you, you make sure you hold to it. Don't let go of the profession of your faith. As Hebrews was telling us. We looked at verse 14 of chapter 4 as well on that. But that's all from last week. We looked at how Paul went around. And when he first went into a city, he introduced the Gospel. But then he would go back and he would strengthen the people on those things. And we gave you the principle. Strengthened beliefs are what get you through tribulations. Strengthen beliefs or what gets you through tribulations. You need to go back and get those beliefs that you have continually strengthened. Don't ever just get to that spot and say, well, I guess I'm okay now. I guess I'm good now. If in your history, you ever did any weight training, you can't just weight train and get yourself up to a certain point and say, well, that's where I wanted to be. Now I can stop. It won't work that way, will it? If you wanted to be a big time in swimming, you can't just jump in the pool and get up to swim in so fast or so many miles. You have to stay with it. Same thing with any other sport, any other activity. Whatever you're going to do, you've got to stay with it. Once you get to that place that you wanted to be at, if you're going to maintain it, you've got to keep strengthening yourself on it. You've got to keep strengthening yourself in the things of God. So Paul was going around, he introduced the things of the Word of God, he went back and he strengthened the brethren. The same concept is in many other things we see in the Word of God. The plant, water, harvest. That first off, you plant, you introduce the Word of God. You introduce the seed. Then you go out there and you water it. Ethel was talking about some of these things today. You plant your water and then you have a harvest. But you have to keep at it. You've got to keep going after those things. First you lay a foundation. Then you build upon that foundation. And then that building is able to withstand the storms that come against it. But the Word of God constantly talks about how we start something and then we strengthen Then we build upon it. Then we get it to go even better than it was. Today we want to take a look at, we call this, Take Heed What You Hear. Take Heed What You Hear. And we'll see why it's called that in here in just a moment. But very often, people do not know the purpose of a thing. How many of you have ever wandered around some of these gadget stores that are in the malls? I love gadget stores. Sometimes, you know, we go off as a family, and, you know, when the girls detour into the dress store, in the shoe store, We have a certain level of endurance, my son and I. We have a certain level of endurance on that. It's not real high. We'll put up with it a little bit. And, you know, we're slowing them down anyway in there. And so we just figured we'll go over here because generally I think they do this on purpose. We were down at the Valley Forge Mall. And right next to just about every dress shop is a gadget store. They got the one down there that uh, they, they were down to the one restaurant Well, just up the hallway from it is the uh, Apple Store and the Bose Store. Glory to God. <laughs> just go in there and just play with the stuff and just have some fun. Then they're up on the second level they're looking at something and there was, a, I think Sony had a, had a store there. So we went through and looked at all the gadgets that were in there. We didn't buy anything but we just went on through and we looked at all those. And then they're at another spot and we found a, another gadget store that was there. Just spending time looking at all these things, but, you know, you look at those gadgets at first and you wonder, what in the world does it do? I mean, they got stuff for your closet, make your closet work better. They got push-button tie racks. That would be real nice to, you know, push, I want this color tie and it just finds it and comes out with that, but they didn't have that one there. But all kinds of gadgets, but sometimes you got to study these gadgets for a little while. You got to pick them up. You got to look at them. You got to figure all right, what's this thing do? Because until you know the purpose behind the gadget, you don't really know if you need it or not. Some of you ladies might find that out if you like kitchen gadgets. There's a lot of kitchen gadgets that are out there and sometimes if you just pick them up, you won't necessarily know what this thing is to do. you got to study it. you got to read it. Oh, oh this, this, I didn't know they made stuff to help. This, this is a good idea. And now all of a sudden you can't live without it. You've been getting along fine without it so far. But all of a sudden now, all this would make it so much easier. And doesn't it? I mean, surely it makes it easier. How many ladies have ever made homemade pasta? Wasn't it easier to make homemade pasta with one of those homemade pasta makers than to do it the way you did it before? Oh, I'll tell you what. We 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 looked at that. We started working with... It It was just a whole lot easier. you got to get into the purpose of the thing. Put in your outline this. When purpose is unknown, value is uncertain. When purpose is unknown... Value is uncertain. You all like infomercials? What do they do at an infomercial? They are selling you on the purpose of their invention. Selling you on why this towel is more absorbent. Selling you on why this knife is so much sharper. Why this sharpener can sharpen your scissors, your knives, everything in your house. Your lawnmower. The more purpose they can give this, the more value that they can put on it, and of course, every infomercial does the same thing. Would you pay ninety-nine dollars for this? And some of you think, well, I don't know if I would pay that much. Well, today only, you'll get it for fifty-nine ninety-nine, or or something of, or you know, they come on down and and but wait, <laughs> order in the next thirty minutes, and we will double whatever it is that you're going to get. And you know, they all do the same kind of thing, and. By the time they get done, and you, you go up and they, they, all, they all flash the website. You all do this too? They flash the website and you go up there on the website and there's no 30 minute limit on this thing. You can go back there and get it anytime you want to. It's just ridiculous. They, so we laugh at them for that 30 minute thing, but they're trying to get you to act on it because right now, in your mind, that thing has purpose. Then as long as that thing has purpose, it has value. It has value. My son and I we were watching the, the thing and they showed this exercise piece of equipment. And it looked pretty cool. I mean, it did some stuff that I've had a hard time finding things to do. And they said, you know, for $15, you can have this. I said, no way. There's no way that thing's worth... That thing's worth more than $15. Certainly it is. I was sitting there on my computer and so I called up the website for this thing and we looked it over and sure enough, $15. Ah, this can't be it. So I went a little further in the thing and sure enough, $15 will deliver it to your house and then four more payments of $99. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you know the, the thing had a, maybe a $15 was a, was, was a value we would certainly say was undervalued for the thing but $400 was not a value we put on that thing so we both sort of just said nah we don't need that $400 The all gone <laughs> but when a, when a thing has purpose it has value and so that's what they try and sell you on. they try and sell you on the purpose and as long as you have that thing in your head that you need it then you will put the 15, 20, 25, 30 dollars out on that thing to see if it really will do what it's supposed to do. Too many believers don't know the purpose of what has been given to them. Because we don't know the purpose of what's been given to us, we do not put a value to the thing. We can't ascribe a value to that. The word of God, so many believers just don't treat the Word of God with the respect that it is. They don't understand how much the Word of God is their foundation. They let things go in the Word of God. They don't study the Word of God. They don't go over it and over it. They don't meditate upon it. It's because they don't understand its purpose. Therefore, they don't understand its value. They understand that God wrote the Word of God. They understand that God gave it to us. And they understand that in it are a lot of principles that we ought to live by. But they really don't know how much it can solidify your life, bring you joy and peace, teach you what the will of God is, we could spend time on each one of these and that's not really our purpose here today just to get you to see it the gifts so often we don't know the purpose of the gifts that's why folks aren't out there operating in the, in the gifts you ask some people you praying in tongues well yeah I used to do that why don't you do it anymore oh, I don't know I don't know I just haven't really done it all that much they don't know the purpose behind it if you understood the purpose behind speaking in tongues you'd be out there doing it all the time You don't, because you don't understand the purpose you've lost the value of it you haven't gone after that But tongues helps you to pray when you don't know when to pray. How many times have I told you this? Praying in tongues is the greatest study tool I have. And I have volumes and volumes and volumes of things to look at. I have computer programs. I have books. I have all kinds of things. Notes. But the greatest study tool I have is praying in tongues. I understand the value. I have ascribed a certain value to that gift and I will continue to pursue it. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit to some people, He's just something that God gave. He's the comforter. They don't understand all that the Holy Spirit is. There's purpose in giving the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says, you will receive comfort when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? No, what? Power. 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 But we don't fully understand that. We haven't completely tied into the purpose of the Holy Spirit being given to us. If we did, we would have put more value upon it. He's the teacher. He's the revealer of truths. He's the performer of miracles. If we understood truly everything that He did, everything He stood for, what His purpose was, we would ascribe a greater value to Him than we do. The body of Christ. We don't ascribe a whole lot of value to the body of Christ because we don't understand the purpose. Some of us think the purpose of the body of Christ is to drive you crazy so that you can perfect and get rid of all that sin that's in your life. And the body of Christ is just there to stir up wrath and hatred and animosity animosity and anger. So that when you stir all these things up, you can deal with them and perfect yourself. That's not what the purpose of the body of Christ is. The body of Christ is here to edify and encourage and help you out. But all we do, you get people in church today and they look around and say, well, this one's got this wrong with them and this one's got this wrong with them and this one's no good over here and this one's no good over here and this one does this and I don't like that one and this one smells... So when we do that, we're not putting the value that we should to them. Because we don't understand their purpose. Why are they here? Why Why do I have to be around them? How many of you all know Christians who just have church at home? They don't know the purpose of the body of Christ. Some folks get into a body of Christ. And this body of Christ isn't encouraging them into things uh, uh, that they're walking in. They're not encouraging them to walk in health and healing. They're not encouraging them to walk in the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. It shows in their life. The fivefold ministry. A lot of times people say, well, I don't necessarily like preachers, I like teachers. Well, I don't like teachers, I like preachers. Well, I don't like preachers or teachers, I like missionaries. Well, I don't like them, I like evangelists. Well, I don't like them, I like prophets. And so then we all find our favorite one that we like and we all just want to hang out with that one. Except the Word of God says that there's fivefold. there's five different types of ministries that are out there. And they're there to perfect and to do things we don't understand the purpose of them. So many times I hear people and they go and they hear a particular minister but they don't know where he fits in the body of Christ and therefore they don't pull from them what they should. You find a minister, man or woman of God, they're out there doing things, they're operating in a particular gift, you've got to take what, they, what they've been gifted with. If they're gifted as a prophet, you can't glean for, as a teacher from them. If they're gifted as a teacher, you can't glean the things you would from a preacher. Or an evangelist. Or things of that nature. You've got to understand where is the giftings for this one and just settle in and, and take those giftings. No, Philip comes on in here. He's a preacher. He's an evangelist. You've got to draw off of him from that. He's not going to come in here and teach you line upon line, precept upon precept and get you going with that. That's not his role. That's not his, his goal in life. That's fine. Enjoy him for what he is. I think one of the better examples I've used is, is Jesse DiPlantis. Jesse Duplantis is an encourager. He's not a teacher. If you go to a Jesse Duplantis meeting to get taught, you will come away disappointed. I'm sure he could teach. I just hear some of the things that are going on in his life and I'll bet he could teach. But that's not his goal. It's not his purpose. He stays within his purpose. I've seen some ministers who had a particular purpose and when they operated it, oh, good things came from it and got out of it. Either got dissatisfied... You know, some evangelists become pastors. That's not always a good mix. Some prophets decide to settle down and become a pastor of a church. That's not a good mix. It's just it's not good things. Philip was up here, we were talking about one brother we both knew. He was uh some that that he knew real well. And he just he had certain things he had a certain gifting, I understood his gifting, but his personality rubbed me wrong. I didn't enjoy his personality, I didn't enjoy him as a person. But I enjoyed his gift. One time I went out to try and get him to bring him on in here. Not because I liked him, but because I wanted the gift that he had to come on in here and to minister to that. And we had some things that went on with it that it didn't ever come about. But I was talking to him about, actually there was two of them, and they both had some of the similar parts. And he said, well, one of them went off and he's pastoring a church now. I said, oh, dear Lord, how'd that work out? <laughs> he said, well, they had some rough times. <laughs> but I said, it's, worked, it's rubbed off on him some. He's gotten better. You just got to understand what your purpose is, what your gift is, and you stay in, in that. And if you're going to go hear somebody who's part of the five-fold ministry, make sure you understand what is their giftings. What is the things that they're there to, to bring out? And draw off of that. And if you do, you understand the purpose, you can put value on those things. If I go hear an evangelist, I can put the necessary value on hearing that person and draw from them what they're going to bring. Preaching and teaching. People... Sometimes I just look at preaching and teaching. Well, I've got to go to church and hear somebody talk about something for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, 45 minutes, whatever time it's going to be. There's no value to it. They don't understand the purpose. Purpose of preaching and teaching? There's a lot of different purposes for it. Sometimes people will look at, me, look at me and say, well, you know, you study. You know all these things about the Word of God. Surely that's something you don't need. But I still have a pastor and I still listen to him. You know the things we have on our website? We put the uh, Wednesday night services on the website. We put the Sunday morning wo- services on the website. That's so that you can go up there and take advantage of it and enjoy it. My pastor does the same thing. He's been my pastor now for 25 years. It's a long time. I've got to pay money to do what we do for you for free. It costs so much a month. And uh, they just started some of that because uh, before I was just buying CDs whenever I could, but now they started a thing so I can uh, download that. I downloaded a whole mess of them. I was going to, my wife and I were going to listen to him on our way, traveling yesterday, but we um, had other folks in the car, and they didn't enjoy my pastor as much as my wife and I do. So we, we didn't go ahead and do that. Sometimes I'll listen to the things, the things that he teaches. It's not always a subject. Right now, he's been teaching on some things. I'm not real interested in that subject. It's not a subject that really is, is, is driving me, but you know what? I'll get in there because the preaching of the Word of God is good to be under. I understand his anointing. And I want to get what that anointing has, and so sometimes I'm sitting back there listening to him teach on this subject, and all of a sudden, as he gets into the Word of God, it stirs something in my spirit. Oh, oh, I need to check that out. I need, to... and it's not even something he's teaching on, but I need to go check that out. But I value that. That's why every week I listen to three, four, five, eight, ten sermons per week. Depends on how good the week is. Good week is 10. Bad week is 3. But somewhere in there I try and and stay in between. I go back and listen to some of Brother Hagin's things over and over and over. Because I want to keep hearing the Word of God. I understand there's a value that is to be placed upon that. And as long as you do, you will solidify yourself. You will stabilize yourself. If you do not, you will not be stable. That's the thing. This is the purpose that God put it in the body of Christ for. That's its purpose. If you don't get that purpose, if you don't understand that purpose, you won't put a value on it. And you just say, "You know, I missed church last Sunday. It's no big deal. I'll show up next Sunday. Now, not everybody looks at it that way. Some people say, oh, I missed church last Sunday. I need the CD. I need the tape. And they'll make sure that they do that. Because they have a value that's to it. Once purpose, this is in your outline, once purpose is determined, value can be calculated. One's purpose is determined. Value can be calculated. I can now put a value upon that gift, that thing that has been put in the body of Christ for me. Now, do we always focus on what's most important? <laughs> we don't. How many of you have ever said, you know, I don't like it when the laundry piles up and I have all this laundry. It just is discouraging for me. To get. I would like to just do a, a load every day if you have a lot of people in the house or a load every other day or every three days and just try and keep up with it that way. How many of you have ever said stuff like that? Oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I, instead of going through the house and cleaning all the rooms at one time, I wish I could just rotate it and just clean this room on Monday and this room on Tuesday and this room on Wednesday. Oh, I wish I wasn't to the point where you know, I have to run around and find a place that has gas and cheap gas. I wish I could make it a priority that when I have a quarter tank of gas... I 'd stop and I 'd fill it up, or at least put something in there, so that I 'm not desperate. I don't run. How many of you have ever said that to yourself when you get in the car in the driveway, you turn the car on and the things says empty. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I couldn't fill it up. I didn't fill it up yesterday. Oh isn't that the discour- skirt? Don't, don't you then say, "Oh, I wish I would put this into my schedule. I wish I would take care of this. I wish I would cut the lawn more frequently, so that it wasn't such a hard thing to do. When I do get out there and, and do it. I mean, aren't there a lot of things like this in our life that we have, we, we understand there's purpose behind it. There is value in doing this. How many of us would say, I'm not, I'm not getting it done. I'm not putting the time into getting those things. It's getting, I'm getting behind over here. I'm not putting the time in here. I put the time in over here instead. There was a uh, cartoon that used to be, you know, a long time ago when I used to get a paper. They would show up at the the family circus. Remember seeing that? And once in a while, they would put one of these ones in there where you see the little boy, the mom would give him an errand. Will you take this to the neighbor next door? Okay, Mom. And so then you see the little dotted path. And and it would show all the places he would go. And he would go across the street and talk with the neighbor and then go into the park and climb on the trees and, and swing on the swing and play in the sandbox. And then play with the dog and then chase the rabbits and then come on over here and talk with this neighbor and then play with this game and then finally get on over to the neighbor's house and he deliver the package. But I mean, it just was round and round. It probably took him the whole day to get that thing done. And all he did was the one thing. Isn't it a whole lot easier if we had to get that one thing done, if we just did it instead of being distracted with all this? Your day has been distracted before. You had to think, I want to get this, 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 this done. And instead, you just get this done. Because everything else came up and people called and stuff went on. And Well, we don't always focus on what's important. It is discipline that keeps the things of greatest value in our highest priorities. So once I have established the purpose behind what God has given us, once I've established the pur- purpose behind the fivefold ministry, the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the Word of God, the preaching and teaching. And once I have put in a, a value on that and determined how value it is, it is now discipline that will keep that purpose going in my life. Discipline that will keep the value of that thing continually feeding my life. It is discipline that will do it. I wrote this in my outline. The law of familiarity reads, All things of value will, with the passage of, of enough time, be taken for granted all things of value will with the passage of enough time be taken for granted. It's very difficult to keep intensity up on a thing for a long time, isn't it? I mean, even though when you realize this is important, oh, I need to get into this. I need to study this. I need to do this. I need to worship at home more. I need to praise God more. I need to laugh more. Uh, Whatever it is that you want to get in, whatever it is that you know, you focus in on it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then what happens? Start to fade off from that, begin to back off some, and you're not doing that quite as much. You're not going after it to to the degree that you need to. All things of value will with the passage of enough time be taken for granted. It is discipline that will make sure that that does not happen. you got to stay disciplined. I know this will bring value into my life. I'm going to keep focused on this. How many of you all know showing up at work on time is valuable? And yet things dis- distract us from that purpose, don't they? And we show up late, oh, that'll never happen again. Guess what? It can happen again. It can go on and and, and I, for some folks, being being late is just not in there is not something to do. Other folks struggle with it. I never really struggle with with being late too often. Generally, I was trained show up early. And so that's not something, but I can struggle with other things that you don't struggle with. Each of us have different things that we know. This is valuable. This has certain. Th- I I know I should. But we back off from it. In Mark chapter four and verse twenty-four, then he said to them, "Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear." This is Jesus talking. Take. Heed what you hear. Why does he warn people to take heed of what they hear? In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? How shall they... Go back to the beginning here. Verse 14. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Can you call on Christ when you haven't believed on Him? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? So in order for me to believe so that I can call on Him, I have to first off hear. And how shall they hear... Without a preacher. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So the first thing that goes on with this is that first off, God has to send them. After that, they had the, the ones that are sent need to get out there and preach. And basically, folks, we're all sent. You may not be called into a five-fold ministry, but we're all called to teach what we know. We're all called to share and to teach and to edify and to build up and pass on what we know to other people. how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? So the preacher goes out, the teacher goes out, the person who's got the Word goes out, they teach about it, and they hear. They hear. Because they hear, they can believe. So is it possible to believe in what you have not heard? You cannot believe in what you have not heard, right? You've got to understand this principle. This is really a powerful principle. You cannot believe what you have not heard. What did Jesus warn them? Take heed what you hear. You cannot believe what you have not heard. And Jesus says, take heed what you hear. If I hear wrong stuff... I then become capable of believing wrong things. If I hear right stuff, I become capable of believing right things. Where there is no teaching and preaching, there are no beliefs. Where there is no teaching and preaching, there are no beliefs. Can you see how important preaching and teaching is? If you do not hear it, you will not believe it. And just because you heard it, Paul went out and he did what? Strengthened the brethren on what they had heard. So he continued to have them hear so they can continue to believe. You cannot believe what you have not heard. And law of familiarity. I can become so familiar with it, I don't put the time into it. I'll take it for granted. Where there is no teaching and preaching, there are no beliefs. The purpose of preaching and teaching in the body of Christ is to form beliefs in you. If you go through the Word of God, can you find another way that God forms beliefs outside of preaching and teaching? You could probably throw in a revelation from the Holy Spirit. But that's preaching and teaching too. He's just the best one out there. Best preacher out there. In John chapter 8, verse 31, and Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Folks, if it's possible for the truth to make you free, is it not also possible for false truth? To bind you up? So if there is truth that can set you free, there must be untruths that put you under bondage and oppression. Jesus came and He said, He came healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. That's what He came to do. There are truths that can set you free and there are untruths that can bind you up. Put you in bondage. Put you under oppression. So the purpose of teaching and preaching is to introduce form and strengthen beliefs. To introduce form and strengthen beliefs. That's the purpose of it. Every time you sit down at the TV set to watch somebody preach your teacher on the Word of God. Every time you put on a CD or a tape or your MP3 player loaded with some MP3 Some sermon. Every time you sit down to listen, you are introducing, forming, or strengthening beliefs that you have. Every time you do it. Remember what we told you the last time? I'll go over it again. Strengthened beliefs are what get you through tribulations. Strengthened beliefs are what get you through tribulations. Every time I sit down and listen to preaching and teaching, I am strengthening my beliefs. Could be introducing and informing some, but I can be strengthening my beliefs. Which means I am more prepared to face obstacles. More prepared to face the things that come against me. How many of you have ever learned a truth and you know it's a truth, at least you feel like it's a truth, And as you go out, you learn that truth and you begin to try and meditate on it and apply it in your life and all of a sudden something comes against that truth. Something tries to tell you there's a reality that's against that truth. And what happens on the inside? Maybe there's not a truth. Maybe I'm not healed. Maybe I'm not filled with the Spirit. Maybe God doesn't love me. What has to happen now? I need to get strengthened on that truth. So that I can withstand the thing that comes against me, because we all face it. we believe in God for a healing, we're believing God for prosperity on our job, we're believing God for wisdom, we're believing God for understanding,'re believing God for help in a difficult situation. I got to know what His word says. concept we gave you before, know and flow. not name it, claim it, but know and flow. Know what the Word of God has promised you. Know what the word of God has said is yours and flow with it. Flow in it. God wanted you to know it. He wanted you to flow with it. Introduce form and strengthen beliefs. Just because I believe something to be true does not mean, though, I will act upon it. We gave you this concept before. Just because I believe something to be true does not mean that I will act upon it. Many of us, like we talked about last week, many of us believe that if we changed our diet, made our diet better, it would benefit us, Right? Many of you have even said, "I believe if I eat more vegetables and more fruit, it would be better." I believe if I stopped eating chicken, I ate more cat. <laughs> no, just making sure y'all still here. <laughs> no, but you want you want to change. You, you know certain things to focus on. If I did less Twinkies and more fruits, it would be better. I know that, but yet when I get into the Seven Eleven. The And here's the fruit. And here's the Twinkie, Hostess, Cupcake, Tasty Cake Pie. Where's the pool? I can't get Tasty Cakes everywhere in the country. I can get fruit anywhere in the country, but I can't get these things anywhere. I think I ought to take one of these Tasty Cake Pies. I mean, they have fruit in them. I can do both. And we begin to reason amongst ourselves. I know I'm, I'm disobeying the truth, right? I know it. But just because I believe something to be true doesn't mean I'll act upon it. So the, the truths that really benefit me are the ones that I act upon. I may believe the truth. How many of you have ever heard the truth that if you change your oil every 3,000 miles, it helps your car? How many of you do it? A couple of you. I can tell you for sure that if you followed that, it'd help you out. I can tell you for sure. I told you the stories I had before. You know, my first car, I don't count my first car. My first car I didn't like, I didn't want it, but you know, it's the only car I could get. Had it for a year, established my credit, got rid of it. Got the car, got one of the cars I wanted. Had that car for four years. I bought my second car that I got was brand new. Not brand new in that I walked in on a dealer and said, you know what, I like that one. No, I sat down at the dealer desk and I said, I want this car in this color with this interior with power steering, power brakes, power windows, power locks and a five-speed. And they looked at me and said, are you sure you want all those power things? And a five-speed? I said, I am absolutely sure that I want this to be a five-speed. She said... If, we, if you pull out in this deal, we won't be able to sell this car. So that's all right. I'm not pulling out in the deal. It took them six weeks to make that car from the time I ordered it. Six weeks. Whole six weeks I'm praying over that car. Father God, I thank you. That car is blessed. That car is prosperous. Those people that are putting my car together are putting it together well. It was a first year car. It was a Tempo. First year Tempos came out. My grandparents ended up getting one. They got theirs first because they wanted in, in, in the lot and they just uh, picked one up. Mine was ordered and it took a little longer to get there. They got stuck with an automatic. I don't think they wanted a five-speed, but I wanted a five-speed. So I got that thing. It was a five-speed. I drove that thing for four years and I had one thing break on it. The fan broke in the middle of winter. How badly do you need a fan to cool the engine in the middle of winter? Not real bad. So I had to, I saved up some money. Got it paid for. Got it taken care of. That's the only thing that ever broke on that car. Ever. I changed that oil not only every 3,000 miles, but I learned, I studied some things. What do you do with a car for the first 10,000 miles of its life? What you do, once I found that out, I will. I don't buy used cars. Because I found out, if you treat the car right in the first 10,000 miles, you set its direction for the rest of its life. So I said, I'm going to set my own direction. So I did that, and I was planning on buying that car. Four years had that car. Car was perfect. Everybody else was having trouble with their first year tempos, I didn't have a bit of trouble with mine. Mine worked like a charm. And I was intent on buying that thing. But I had always said, if Ford ever came out with a front wheel sports car, I'm buying it, front, front-wheel drive sports car. I liked the Mustang, didn't like it was real-wheel drive, didn't like a few other things about it. But uh, I said, did they ever come out with a front-wheel drive sports car? So I'm in the dealership, and we're writing up the paperwork for me to buy this car. at the Because uh, I, I leased it for four years, and at the end of the lease, you had to buy it. Or turn it in, one or the other. So I was going to buy it. And we're walking on by, and I saw a car. I says, what is that? And they said, it's a probe. Just came out with it said so that's, that's the second one we've, we've gotten first one sold already that's the second one we have so I went out in the drive drove that car around this car was good so I cancelled my plans to buy my perfect totally operational temple and bought the second Ford probe that CNC Ford right down the road here had on their lot second one now, you get the second one, you don't get the best deal in it because a lot of people wanted this car. So I didn't get the best deal in it. Had that car for 18 years. Changed the oil every 3,000 miles, broke it in the way I was told to break in a car and that car worked good. That car was, was, was well done. Change the oil every 3,000 miles. You may do some other things. There's some other things to, to do for it as well. But change your oil every 3,000 miles. It's a good thing to do. I learned all the things I did about it. I also changed my transmission fluid every once in a while too. Didn't have to replace any transmissions. I many of you believe that if you change your oil every 3,000 miles, it'd benefit you. But not always do we act upon it because we get to that place, well, $25 to change my oil. I don't really have $25 right now. So I make sure I never had that as a something to kick me back. No, sir. I will put the $25 out because I know down the road this will help this will benefit me i believed it and i continue to act upon it i know there've been times i've gotten to 31 32 i need to get over there i need to get i believe i need to get over there but we we have to get to that place where we act on it act on that thing when you have a belief and you know it to be true act on it how many of you are still using raise your hand on this one how many of you are still using your principal book yeah, come on, Rusty, get get busy on it. Keep that thing going. Law of familiarity. You all saw it as real valuable in the beginning, but then all of a sudden what happens? You become familiar with it. Ah, it's been around here for a while. I haven't really done a whole lot with it so far. And now get on out there, are you still giving your principles in here to write down? Just because I believe something to be true does not mean I'll act upon it. Sometimes you just need to go back there, pull that principle book out, and just look over. Oh, I I forgot about this principle. Oh, I'm not working on this principle the way that I should. Pull them out. Go over it. Mark 11, 22 and 23, 24. We've read this before. You probably know it real well. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. We saw this. The same was done three times. The believing is mentioned one time, and Brother Hagen got this revelation. God told him, "He says you're going to, have to do three times as much teaching on the saying part as the believing part." People get familiar with it. People, I understand. I, I believe I need to say things, but then we forget to act upon it. Saying part three times, believing part one time. Look at it this way: When Jesus confronted Satan in the wilderness, how did he combat him? Jesus. Said. When Jesus faced off against the religious leaders, how did He combat them? He said. When Jesus confronted sickness, disease, death, blindness, etc., how did He combat them? He said. If Jesus saw this as such a powerful tool that when He came up against sickness, disease, death, blindness, muteness, deafness, He just said when the religious leaders who were trying to pull him down and they' trying to come up with lies, what'd he do? how many of them did he punch out oh, he didn't punch out any how many did he take to court? He said when he faced the greatest enemy in satan, one on one battle Jesus Said, Saying part three times, believing part one time. How important is it that you say what you believe? I told you before last week, Hebrews continually exhorts us, hold fast your confession. When we become silent, I heard somebody say this, I wrote this down in my book before. When we become silent, we stop releasing the power of, of what we believe. When we become silent, we stop releasing the power of what we believe. Don't become silent. When we become silent, we stop releasing the power of what we believe. He who says to this mountain, he who says to this mountain does not doubt in his heart believe those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Says. How many of you got situations that are going on in your house? Houses creaking, houses making noises, houses doing things you don't want that house to do. Your car is making noises, your car is doing things you don't want your car to do. Your bank account's making noises, is doing some things that you don't want your bank account to do? What are you going to do to it? Hope and pray? Whoever says you get prayed for, for your leg, for your arm, for your head, for your neck, for your back, for whatever it is that's going on in your body. And your body says... To you, I hurt, it's coming back, it didn't work. What do you do? Get quiet? If you get quiet and stop speaking, you stop releasing the power of God. you got to get up there and say no. No. You speak to that body. You speak to that job. You speak to that bank account. You speak to that house. House, you get in line. You stop breaking down, house. Stop robbing me of my money. Car, you stop breaking down. You are a good car. How many times do you say something different about your car? Oh, this old bucket of bolts. Can't believe I still have this thing. I hate you. You can have the thing that you say. Now see, a lot of you folks believe that. And when you say it and you believe it, guess what? You need to start speaking to that car differently. Speaking to that house differently. House, you are a blessed house. You are a paid for house. You are a house that does not give me problems. You are a house that has equipment that works and continues to work. But that's not how my house, you don't know my house. That's not. That wouldn't describe my house. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were supposed to describe what you have. How many of you folks here are saved? How many of you always feel saved? How many have come to a place of being perfect? And yet you still feel that you're saved? Hmm. But you're not showing evidence of it. You're not walking in total perfection. Why is that? How is it that you can believe God that you're saved even though there's no real evidence yet because you don't always feel saved. Sometimes you feel saved. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do pretty good and walk in the way that you're supposed to walk with God. And well, sometimes you don't. Some of you all say, well, I should study the Word of God more. And you don't. I should pray more. And you don't. I should love more. And you don't. But I'm still saved, right? Are you confessing what you have? Confessing what God has declared. I am saved. Jesus Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He became a curse for me so that I do not become a curse. I have been redeemed from the curse. I am set free from sin. That's your confession there. So why is it you can have that confession in salvation as soon as you get into the area of healing? As soon as you get into the area of your house, your car... Your bank account, your wife, husband, your kids, right? (laughs) You're supposed to do that quieter. (laughs) We're not here to talk about what we have. We're here to, to look ahead to what we've got. Declare it. I am healed. I am set free. That is mine. When hands were laid upon me, power came into my body. Healing power came into my body. And that healing power is working mightily in me. That's what I believe. Now see, I speak that out of belief. Not because somebody handed me a confession sheet. We'll get into that. Speak it out of belief. Know what God has given you. Know what God has said. Let the Word of God form beliefs on the inside. We form beliefs that, well, if I get into the right meeting, if I find the right evangelist, if I find the right person with the right healing anointing, then I'll get healed. If I find God in a good mood, if my name gets pulled out of the hat, Right? Come on, we've all had these thoughts. It's not just you. We're getting into the meeting and nothing happened and what do we do? Come out of there. I guess it wasn't my turn. Where'd that thought come from? And don't think it just originated with you because why is it that all the rest of us have said it? It's a lie. It's an untruth that you grabbed hold of and has held you in bondage. You need to apply some disbelief on that truth like we talked about in the beginning. Disbelieve that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that God has to pull my name out of a hat. I'm not going to believe any of that. The woman with the issue of blood, she came up behind Jesus. There's no special thing going on in that meeting. But she said, if I just touch the hem of His garment, I know I shall be healed. And she started her own meeting. A whole lot of other people were touching them. But only one activated the power. You can activate the power in any meeting any group that you are in when you know what the Word of God says and you act on beliefs based on truths from the Word of God. Understand the purpose behind preaching and teaching. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. I like teaching and preaching but if I hear a minister get into doubt, unbelief I turn it off. You know why? Because I take heed of what I hear. You all know I despise the news media. I do not listen to them. I know you all know that well and I go over it and over it and over. It. You know why? Take heed of what you hear. Take heed of what you hear. Because when you hear, you can believe it. If you don't hear it, you can't believe it. Take heed of what you hear. I hope for these words of Jesus. We'll ring into you real good this, this week. Take heed of what you hear. You make sure you get rid of doubt and unbelief from, you, from around you. Get rid of it. Take heed of what you hear. Some of you folks you talk negatively. I know there's probably people from other churches. But just in case anybody is here in this church who talks negatively about their car or their spouse or their kids or their house or their bank account or their job Surely no one here talks negatively about those things. But just imagine other people in other places, in other states, in other cities far away who do that. Quit it. Take heed of what you hear. If you speak something out of your mouth, listen to this, this is really deep. If you speak something out of your mouth, do you hear it? Take heed what you hear take heed what you hear. When your inside voice rises up on the inside and says your car is going to die your house is going to burn up your wife is going to leave you your kids hate you when these voices begin to rise up don't you hear that? Mm -hmm. Take heed of what you hear Take heed. Stop it. You're going to go out, some of our folks going out to school pretty soon. You get out there into school. How many of you get around students who tell you about a certain professor how bad they are, how certain they are that you will fail their class. Take heed of what you hear, and you say down the inside. I don't hear that. I don't hear that. Husbands, hasn't your wife said some things that you didn't hear? Hasn't your wife said some things? And the TV show was on? The sports thing was on? Huh? What? And you didn't hear it? Haven't you stood in front of your kids and said, so and so, do this? What? Take a lesson from them. Take heed of what you hear. You can turn a deaf ear to the things that you're hearing that are negative around you. You can turn a deaf ear to it. Turn them off. Stop hearing them. Stop hearing them. Stop listening to them. People want to come up and say, you can't do that. Take heed of what you hear. That's not something for you. Take heed of what you hear. No one gets promoted at this job. Take heed of what you hear. No one's car lasts that long. Take heed of what you hear. Take heed of what you hear. We all stand up. Father, we need to take your advice take heed of what we hear we need to be careful of what we listen to what we hear we need to make sure that the truths that we believe are truths from your word because as truth can set us free false truths can bring us into a bondage and oppression we need to take heed of the things that we hear of what we hear Father, I thank You that Your Spirit is at work in us to teach us to open up our eyes to see the things that are going on around us that we don't need to be listening to, that we don't need to be hearing. We can take heed of what we hear. Thank You for the wisdom that You give us on this. Thank You, Father, for the good things that are in store for us, that You desire good things for Your kids because You love us. Glory to God. We will take heed of what we hear. And we will not become silent and stop releasing the power of Your Word, of what we believe, of the truths that are in us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.